Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Me? Can you hear me on the phone? I do. I've got you coming out of every orifice. <laughs> I'm really not. You're breaking off quite badly. Hello, and welcome to the lock-in, where I finally get to talk to people I want to hear from in a place I want to be, the pub. For some reason, this bloody thing has started playing back some rubbish. Oh, right. Where were we? I forgot. I have two. Hello, today we're talking to Raina Wynne, who for many years was a farmer in rural Wales with her husband, with whom she raised two children. Then suddenly, out of the blue, came two bits of awful news. Their house was taken away from them by the courts because of what frankly seems a pretty stupid decision to use it as a guarantee for a business which went bust. Her husband, Moth, meanwhile, was diagnosed with a degenerative brain disease. Now, many of us might have curled up into a ball and waited to die. They didn't. Instead, they set off to walk the southwest coastal path, all 630 miles of it, by two people who weren't walkers, but were homeless. What's the overwhelming impression, Rainer, you have of homelessness? That's a difficult question. I hadn't really considered homelessness before I became homeless myself. It, it wasn't something that I'd encountered living in rural Wales. So to actually find myself in that position, such a change in lifestyle, so very, very quickly, that probably above all else, it was a huge shock. I actually found that homelessness is a really big issue and not just in our urban areas but rural areas as well that actually one of the biggest problems surrounding homelessness is the opinions and the preconceptions that people have towards it. I think that people are scared of homeless people you know I mean I'm involved in a few homeless charities in in the big city but um it seems to me the overwhelming impression I get is that people are scared of homeless people. And why that is, I don't know. It's because it's possibly because they show them their worst nightmare. Most people can't imagine not having a roof over their head. What was your view? I think you might be right there, actually. When we first started walking, we were quite naive to the whole homelessness issue. When people fell into conversation and asked us, how come you're walking so far? How come you've got so much time to be walking so far? 
we were quite honest with them, you know, we replied, we've lost our home, we've got nowhere to go, we're just walking. And quite often the response was simply to physically recoil, draw a dog in on its retractable lead and gather the children. It was a, an actual physical response. Really shocking to find that people hold such a degree of prejudice towards homeless people. I think it comes from fear, not only from how close homelessness is to all of us, but from that preconception that most homeless people come to that state through some sort of substance or mental health issue. Yes, yeah, a lot of them do, but then there are equal numbers that don't. And I think it's the ones that don't that frighten people the most, because it's those people that provoke that thought, it could be me. Where did the idea of going on this long walk to occupy yourselves and put a roof over your head, where did it come from? It came from under the stairs, to be honest. It, it, it was in the last moments, just before we left the house. The bailiffs were knocking at the door, trying to get in and waiting to change the locks. And we were just hiding under the stairs. It wasn't that we thought, you know, we could make some sort of like last minute miracle occur and we wouldn't have to leave. I think it was just hanging on to those last few moments, knowing we'd never, ever be able to go back into that house again. At that point, we knew we were going to become homeless because there was nobody who could help us, nowhere for us to go. It was in that last moment that I saw a book in a packing case a book I'd read decades before called 500 Mile Walkies by Mark Wallington. It's the story of a young man that walked around the southwest coast path of England with his dog. And just then, in that awful moment, it seemed like the most obvious thing to do. Just fill a rucksack and go for a walk. So that's where it came from. <laughs> you know, if it came as such a shock to you, it seems pretty haphazard to have chance not having a roof over your head in some business venture. Yes, well, we all trust people, don't we? Unfortunately, sometimes that trust isn't met with the response you would hope for. We all make mistakes. You don't mention what the business was in the book. What was the business? Because I didn't think that was really necessary. The book was about the walk, and that's what I wanted to write about. It wasn't about looking back, it was about looking forwards. That's fair enough, but, I mean, what was the business? It was a property investment business that went seriously pear-shaped. And you thought you'd get rich on it? We went into that venture when we were young, maybe misguided, slightly naive about life. I think it just didn't turn out the way we expected. I didn't expect to go for a long walk. I didn't expect to write a book. That's life, isn't it? The whole thing has obviously been a very cathartic experience for you. Are you glad you did it, the walk? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think now, looking back, it's probably one of the best things I've ever done in my life, homeless or not. I think if, if I were in that position again, I would probably make the same choice. But it is striking the number of people who were very unpleasant to you on your walk. Did it make you feel better or worse disposed towards other human beings? I think probably worse at the time, because so many responses to our homelessness which is so shocking. Quite, it was qu quite painful, really. There was a point on the north coast where I was standing outside a shop, and at that point we were down to our last few coins, and I was counting them in my hand. A woman came round the corner, 
barber shop with a big dog that caught my rucksack, knocked the coins out of my hand, and I dropped them on the street. Some of them were falling down the drainage grill. I got down to try to catch them, and I was lying on the pavement with my hand down the drainage grill when the woman started poking me with her foot, saying, Get up. We don't have drunken tramps like you here. And in that moment, I just thought, Who's she talking to? Because it can't be me. That was the moment then, I think, where that sense of self, that sense of who I was in my own life, never mind the wider society, it just really started to fall apart. Did you look like a tramp? Probably. (laughs) Maybe we looked like tramps, or maybe we looked more like very dirty walkers. But either way, that sense of who you are, it's so important. Just a few short weeks earlier, That woman would have been the sort of person I would have been welcoming into our holiday cottage, a visitor coming to stay with us. Now, I was lying in the street and she was poking me with her foot. It was such a rapid shunt of life, from normality to this other world I was now living in. I think that's where that sense of belief in other people, that sense of trust in other people, just started to cave in and fall apart. But you don't have much faith in institutions do you? Well institutions are great they're what keep the country stable but they don't always do the best thing for everybody in every situation I think I don't know I I think I'd experienced the pragmatic side of institutions at that point and I definitely lost my faith in them. But your problem with authority where does it come from do you think? I don't know if I have a problem with authority. I think maybe I question authority. Maybe that's the answer. (laughs) I say you're just an old hippie. An old hippie. Yeah, you've just seen me on the screen, that's why. (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe that's, that's what we were. I mean, you know, when we were very young, we were, you know, protested against nuclear power and things like that. If that makes you an old hippie, then maybe so. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which was the best bit of the coastal path? The best bit. 
There's so many great bits. It's such an incredibly varied walk. But say you had only three days available to you and most of us have got jobs. Where would you go? If I'd just got three days, I'd uh, I'd go to St Ives and I would walk from St Ives round Porthcurno across those incredible granite cliffs of the Land's End because there's something so raw, so elemental about being at the very, very edge of the land, the very end of the country, where there's nothing between you and Canada other than that vast expanse of the Atlantic, where the weather, it just comes pounding in. I really know I'm alive when I'm there, so definitely that's where I'd go. Occasionally you you get people who are nice to you and that must have been, I mean you say that the people being nasty to you was unpleasant and surprising but the, the people being nice to you must have been surprising too wasn't it? It must have been rather overwhelming, rather warming. It was, absolutely. After having those really quite tricky responses early on in our walk, then we met groups of people who just took us in and welcomed us, fed us and gave us shelter. That was really, really quite heartening. Strangely enough, you wouldn't expect it, but often that help, it came from the people who had the least to give to anyone and who themselves, they could only offer to share the small amount they had. So I think that was probably one of the most encouraging points about humanity in general. Maybe... Maybe the less you have, the less you fear the stranger. Maybe you've got less to lose. So did you finish the journey more or less optimistic about human nature than when you started? Far more optimistic than when we started, that's for sure. Because we did have lots of encounters that gave us reason to believe in people again. So we ended that walk with much greater sense of optimism and hope. Hope for the possibilities life could hold. And what about Moth's illness? That seems... He seems to have had a miraculous recovery. Well, that was the most unexpected outcome of the walk. When he was given his diagnosis, he was told there was nothing that could be done. But really, he was facing just a couple of years of very rapid decline. There was no treatment, no cure. And basically, he was told not to get too tired and be careful on the stairs. So we walked 630 miles. But as we were walking along... Maybe we'd done about 200 miles. We started to notice that his health was improving and that his walking was becoming more sure and his mind, it was clear. His health in general was actually starting to improve. That was the most overwhelming surprise of the whole walk because that was the one thing we'd been told was impossible. Do you draw any conclusion from that apart from the fallibility of medicine? Fallibility of medicine? I don't know. Doctors can only work with the parameters of knowledge that they have, can't they? There are still so many things that we don't know about our bodies. And the great mystery, still, is how our bodies react to the natural world. I think the key to what was happening to Moth was there in that reaction between his body and that natural environment. And the endurance, really. It was like an endurance event to walk that path. It is the equivalent to climbing Everest nearly four times. Well, that's quite a lot of walking, isn't it? <laughs> it is quite a lot. Yeah, what state were your feet in? Dreadful to start with. In the first few weeks, they were shredded with blisters and I lost a toenail. They toughened up a bit as we went along, but my feet were a problem all the time. Got any tips about foot care? 
<laughs> yes, get some good boots <laughs> that really fit you. And uh, always carry some blister plasters because uh, you can make this incredible patchwork of skin with blister plasters that holds your feet together. <laughs> <laughs> Would you do it again? Absolutely. People have asked me so many times at book events, if you had a choice, would you do it again? If I, if you had a choice to go back, would you go back? If I went back to my old life, I'd have the security, the familiarity of that old life, but we would never have discovered that there's a way to improve Moth's health. There's never going to be a cure for his illness, but we found a way to hold it at bay. Well... For now, at least. So for that, I would happily walk that path again tomorrow, pick up my rucksack and just go. Would you? Yes. Yes, I would. Um, this book that you've written on the subject, uh, which I enjoyed very much, it's been something of a publishing phenomenon, hasn't it? Yes, yes, certainly has. Has it brought other offers of kindness to you? Oh, yes. Amazing offers have come our way since the book was published. Offers of accommodation, of food and other help. But probably the most remarkable thing to come our way since writing a book has been the letters and the messages from other people who found themselves in really difficult positions in life. There have been stories of lives that have fallen apart for financial, emotional or health reasons. I think it's those shared stories that have been the most important thing for me. I've really found a shared humanity since writing The Salt Path. So unexpected. I mean, you've got a roof over your head now, and yet you'd give it up tomorrow to do another walk. I would if it meant that, um, that it would keep Moth well, keep him his physical condition stable for a little longer. If that's what it takes, yeah, I would. What about learning about humanity? When we finished that walk, I thought, I thought it would be so easy to go back into a house, back into a normal way of living, back into society. But actually, I found it really hard. I was agitated, I couldn't settle, couldn't sleep. It should have been perfect. It should have been so easy. But it wasn't, and I, ju I just couldn't work out why. Eventually, we put the tent up in the bedroom of the house we were living in, and I slept in that for weeks. So, yes, <laughs> that transition back into normal life was really difficult. I I've written about it in my next book, The Wild Silence, about the difficulty of returning to normality after homelessness. But, I don't know, I think it relates to trying to find your way back after any trauma, really. It all comes down to trust in the end. And how's your husband's health? He was going off to do a de degree or something, studying at a university when, at, the, in, at the end of the salt path. Yes, he did his degree. He, um, he graduated um, two years ago now. He must have been the oldest graduate in the class. Yes, I think he definitely was. I think there was some confusion at the start with the other students as to whether he was a student or the tutor. But he did graduate in the end and, and he did really well to do that. Such a fantastic achievement. So proud of him. So what's he doing now? Well, he studied sustainable horticulture. So now, unexpectedly, after receiving an incredible offer from a reader of the Salt Path, he's putting his degree into practice, working on a project to return the biodiversity and the wildlife to a farm that's been, well, agriculturally overused, shall I say. 
And are you chained to a to a word processor every day? Yeah, I have been, strangely. It's been quite an unexpected shift in life, that's for sure. But it hasn't been just the writing. When I wrote the book, I didn't realise that there would be so much publicity involved in its publication. When Penguin said, OK, let's make a schedule for publicity, it was, it was such a surprise. For someone who's very private and hardly spoke to anyone, to find myself talking to hundreds, sometimes thousands of people, it was quite an eye-opener. Do you think that nature is a healer? I do, in far more fundamental ways than we realise. I think we all know, we all know, don't we, that spending time in nature is good for our mental health. We can all feel that calming effect that comes from things like gardening or forest bathing or just being outdoors it's a very soothing thing to do to be out in the natural environment but while I was writing this old path and trying to trying to work out a way and a reason why moth's health had started to improve as it did when we were walking I came across so many obscure little pieces of scientific research into how our bodies physically actually physically interact with the natural environment how chemical changes within our bodies are triggered by chemicals emitted by plants. So it seems our need for nature is part of being human, whether we acknowledge it or we don't. You're beginning to sound like Prince Charles. I think he might have something in that. Even, well, even in this modern world where many of us have no interaction with nature or think it plays any part in our lives, we're still more fundamentally connected to the earth and the natural environment than we even allow ourselves to believe. I think recently, living through this pandemic, we've all learned that actually we're subject to whatever the natural environment brings to us and as vulnerable to it as a, a bird in a hedgerow. But that doesn't just work negatively. It can work positively too. That's great. Thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Thank you. It's been really nice to talk to you. Well, that was Raina Wynn, a true British eccentric and a decent writer too. Next week, we've got a woman who, along with her husband, Charlie Burrell, is at the very spear tip of the rewilding movement currently gathering pace in the UK. Together, they've liberated a couple of thousand acres of farmland from the plough to pretty spectacular results, She's called Isabella Tree, which rather makes one wonder about the powers of nominative determinism. Do join us for a fascinating conversation about the future of Britain's nature. And until then, look after yourself.